Did you know that students get it free? The Irish Times offers a free digital subscription to all full-time undergraduates. Keep up to date for free with quality journalism and reporting. Claim yours today at irishtimes.com slash subscribe slash student. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with EY. Building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This past week comes more news of closures within the Irish restaurant sector. Michelin-listed Circa Restaurant in Ternure has shut up shop, citing rising energy and other input costs as key reasons for the decision. According to the Restaurant Association of Ireland, one or two of its members are closing their doors each day. It's a stark picture as they battle rising costs and various hangovers from the COVID pandemic. Joining me to discuss the issues impacting on the sector and to flesh out some possible solutions are Adrian Cummins, Chief Executive of the Restaurant Association of Ireland, and Goey-based chef JP McMahon, who himself closed one of his three businesses in the city last month. I began by asking Adrian Cummins to give me a flavour for the business environment facing his 3,000 members right now. Well, the environment at the moment is very, very difficult uh, and we are facing uncertain economic times for the hospitality industry and, and restaurants are part of that. The last time I've seen this is in 2012, where you've started to see the closures happening at a rate of one a day and some days has been two a day. Now, these businesses are predominantly small businesses. Uh, they're not, they're not big, the big, big companies as such. These are small SMEs, there's stereotypical restaurant, coffee shop, and it's accumulation of a number of things uh, that is putting putting these businesses to the wall. Uh, and I think we're going to see more of this happen over the next number of weeks and months uh, as we face into going to be a very difficult winter for hospitality. Yeah, now, Adrian, I suppose, given the nature of the sector, um, venues come and go, Tastes change, uh, food trends change, people reach retirement age and decide to sell up or whatever the case might be. So let's say pre-pandemic, what would the rate of attrition have been normally within the restaurant sector? Well, uh, it would have been possibly you come across a cancellation or a business closing down as part of our membership. And we represent about 3,000 businesses, but it would have been one, one a week. Now it's one a day and sometimes two a day. So you can see the level of, of closures. And these businesses now want to be very clear. These were viable businesses pre-COVID. These businesses were all viable. Uh, they were all trading uh, extremely well. But all, all of these businesses, and they will say it was the energy, uh, cost of energy. It was the, the build-up of warehouse tax. And then it was basically, they don't see a line of sight to where this is going to end. And they're basically, some of them will, are just throwing in the towel. And I also... There's, you could throw in the cost of rent as well, where landlords are not helping out the businesses. You know, that they know that they, there is challenges at the moment, but the, the landlord is not, you know, sitting down and having a conversation at all with a business owner. So it's a multifaceted approach, uh, but I keep saying this is not the, this is the start, it's not the end yet. We have, to, we have, a, we have a long road to go, go when it comes to this crisis and we've gone through a number of crises in our, in, in our industry, but this is another one now that we have to, we have to face. JP McMahon, you've been on this uh, programme with us several times during COVID, telling us some of the stresses and strains that have been involved. Um, you had three restaurants going into COVID, uh, but you decided to close one of them, Tartar, recently. Tell us why. 
Yeah, I mean, very similar to what Adrian was saying. Uh, I mean, one probably the biggest the biggest uh, decision was we we don't know where uh, the the current situation is going, and uh, with three restaurants, and um, uh, it had just become incre- increasingly difficult to to staff to staff Tartar since the pandemic, uh, since the or I suppose the end of the pandemic, and we. We, I suppose, at, at the at the beginning of the um, of the reopening, we had lost our our core staff in all three restaurants, so we we had to we had to build that core back again, and we we got it back in an ear and Tartar and sorry an ear and, and Kaba, but for some reason or another, Tartar never seemed to stabilize, and with the staff situation on top of the on top of the energy crisis and also wage inflation was was it was a big factor we just couldn't seem to get a footing and uh our we had a five year break clause and it was either can we keep this place going for another five years or should we should we i don't know just close it and and focus on 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 what we can do in the other two and we we, we like there was no job losses we literally just transferred the staff in tartar into the other two because we didn't have enough staff in the other two so um i i think it's 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 a very complex situation and, and if you were to take one factor out maybe we would have stayed open if there hadn't have been so many like uh, wage inflation lack of staff energy uh, covid um, I just think I I feel after COVID businesses are very I suppose tired and it's it's uh you've just kind of weathered two years or two and a half years and now you you're expecting to weather another one and and that's why I think a lot of business owners or restaurateurs are kind of saying Do you know what maybe this is not for me the industry is 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 very it's very difficult I had another friend close her two businesses in Galway and uh, Michelle Cavanagh she closed um the the museum and her bakery and. One of her reasons was it was just like on top of everything. It's just, uh, I mean, you've got uh, 30 staff, then you've got uh, employer PRSI. It's just, it's it's unending that the, the amount of, I suppose, pressure on SMEs, which have to fight the same battle as larger businesses. And it's, I suppose it's not a, an, an even playing field. Yeah, talk to us about some of the uh, input uh, costs and the increases that you've experienced this year, JP. Let's take energy, for example. And what's your energy bill now compared to a year ago, let's say? Yeah, the best example I use is the one for Cava, which is the which which paints a very clear picture. Like our our bill in Cava was was twenty five thousand a year pre COVID. That was it was very stable. That's what we always paid. We recently got a five month bill, five to six month bill, because our provider left the market and then we had no bill for a while, and the bill was sixty two thousand for for five to six months. And now we had been told um, when the provider was leaving that the unit cost would treble. So we were expecting about 75. But I expect the bill now to be somewhere between 100 and 125. So that's 100,000 on top of uh, the previous bill. And like that alone, like if our turnover is uh, like a, a million euro or a million 25, whatever it is, like that's 10% of our turnover. And like the we like the restaurant model is not built on your energy costs being ten percent. It's just not. I mean, you possibly have like um, about five percent return in everything, and and people forget that. And I suppose it's important to to to, to state that when prices are going up and all these things now, and people saying, Do you know what, restaurants are expensive. I mean, 
the hospitality industry has the least return out of most. I mean, the phone I'm handling now probably has a 50% return in terms of investment. Like we have about a five. So that energy cost alone, like wage wage inflation, like the wages should be about 30%, about maybe 30, 35. At the moment, we're struggling to keep them under 45 because because of the, uh, the lack of... Uh, I suppose talent in the industry we're having to pay more for for the for the people that are that are left in the industry and also the minimum wage going up as well and like it's not that I'm against minimum wage going up all the time but people need to realize every time minimum wage goes up the person at the very top of the chain is also expecting another euro an hour because they're saying the person at the bottom got a euro I need a euro so what it does is effectively puts a couple of grand on your wage bill a week and that's fair enough if that's the way we want things to go. But if I'm looking at the menu now and I have to look at the menu uh, tomorrow and I need to try and put 10% cost on it, I actually don't know where I can put 10% cost on the menu anymore because I already put 5 or 10% in the last year because of everything else. So uh, so for me, I'm just going to try and just kind of sit it out and just kind of say, you know what, I'll just leave the menu as is and hopefully come March when we look at the accounts, we, okay, we, we won't have uh, made as much, but hopefully we won't have lost enough to, to put us in a, in a particular bad position. And JP, just in terms of the number of covers you're getting every night again, um, what's your experience now compared to what it would have been pre-pandemic? Like the crazy irony is that like, like business is good at the moment, you know, like, okay, it's, it's dropping off in, in Galway. I mean, it's getting quieter. We've seen, I mean, kind of dropping about in Cava, probably dropping a grand a day at the moment because it, it just as, as it gets quieter. But I mean, the, we, we have had a really good year post pandemic in a, in an year. And it's, it's, if it wasn't for the five or six things against you, you'd probably be saying, okay, this is not too bad, but it's just, it's the constant kind of war of attrition, you know. And even though, even though we've had our, our our we've had our best year in a year since in ten years, and I don't know if that's because we were closed for eighteen months, we we there was a pent up demand of tourism. I don't know what uh, uh, up to this point. So the next six months will, will be will be very telling. But it is it is like as I said, like uh, it's a war against a lot of small things at the moment, and I think basically. The like if the VAT was to go back up, it would absolutely just end so many bit. Like I think it would just come to the. It, it would just be the point of no return, uh, not out of like not out of uh, destroying businesses, but I just think destroying the soul of of people in business. Going, Do you know what? I can't give. I can't get another four percent. I don't know where to put it. And as Adrian said, a lot of businesses I know have have warehouse debt from before COVID, maybe a hundred grand, and it's like, how are you going to give that back as well? Adrian, let's talk about the VAT rate. It's due to expire at the end of February and the Minister for Finance in his budget speech earlier this month said that's still the plan. Uh, Leo Varadkar subsequently suggested um, that it might be looked at again um, or there might be there might be some wriggle room in it between now and then. What's your expectation? I mean, is it feasible, for example, uh, for restaurants uh, to continue to have a 9% VAT rate but hotels go back up to the 13.5% rate? So it seems to me every day there's a different viewpoint coming out of the government. Yesterday, Minister for Public Expenditure, who will become the next Minister for Finance, said they won't be having a conversation about the VAT rate again around hospitality. And then the Taunasha said just after the budget, yeah, there could be a conversation. So our focus here is very clear. 
we will need to get the energy supports out and operational as soon as possible. They are coming out in November. I believe they should have been brought forward into October. And let's see how the market receives that and how, we're, how, the, you know, how businesses are performing with energy supports. The VAT rate then is due to go up in March, so we will be conducting our campaign from November, December, and January around a high-level, high-vis campaign around why the 9% VAT rate should be there for, for hospitality. Um, there has been discussions uh, around should it be split, etc. Uh, my view on this is, you know, we are where we are at the moment. We need to have a united front. But if the conversation moves to, okay, this is going to go absolutely for hospitality to, uh, back to 13.5%, sometime in January, the conversation will have to shift towards, well, you know, half a loaf is better than low loaf, and which means that the 9% VAT rate should be looked at for food. And maybe, you know, we have to have that conversation because there is seven EU countries uh, the government cannot con- turn around and say this can't be done. It's done in seven EU countries. These are Eurozone countries where they have a split rate for VAT. And I would be saying to them, okay, how can they do it and Ireland can't? So we need to have that conversation. But that is for another day. It's a united front at the moment around the VAT rate. Yeah, but it would seem that the Department of Finance isn't for turning on this, whether it's Pascal Donoghue or Michael McGrath in the hot seat. Yeah, the, the finance, Department of Finance, let's be very clear about this. They're the advisors and the officials within the government. It is the decision makers are the politicians themselves. And we know that there is political appetite to revisit the VAT rate. TDs in rural hospitality constituencies are advocating very much for a reopening of that conversation. And we will be putting pressure on all the rural TDs again where, where hospitality is very much to the forefront in their constitu- constituencies. And that will be our focus right up to uh, whenever that decision has to be made. What about the warehouse debt? Because it always seemed like it was going to be an issue at some point. Um, and this is essentially, this was a scheme, wasn't it, whereby um, sm- you know, small traders were allowed to keep their VAT, to keep the cash flow going during COVID, but uh, they were going to have to repay it at some point in the future. Yeah, it's a very good point, uh, Karen. And uh, I asked the Tanish at one of our high-level meetings that, you know, could we look at an amnesty around the around tax for hospitality? That was ruled out point blank. Um, the only option on the table now is to extend the period of time to repay the the warehouse tax and not have the interest rate included in it. They have to understand that. Hospitality has had three tough years now and we probably have another full year of hardship around the energy crisis and possibly longer than that. So if businesses, there has to be a plan in place with revenue and revenue engaged. And they also, revenue need to back off now in terms of the aggressiveness of letters going out to businesses around the threatening of sheriffs going into their business. I want to be very clear in that. They have to back off and they have to have an understanding that the hospitality sector has to be treated as a separate to the other sectors that were fully open during COVID. Um, We were one of those that were closed or stop-start, whatever way you want to describe it. But, you know, there has to be a a sense of realism here. You know, these businesses are trying to do their best and they're now in another crisis. But the warehouse tax, and I I would make a suggestion, the warehouse tax should be paid back over between five and ten years. Uh, uh, you know that would be my suggestion to the to the government, and I would look at an interest rate for at least five years on that. That would be my you know they were able to do it for two two years, three years, 
of where I was taxed, two and a half actually. Uh, there's no reason why they can't extend that as well. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing now is, you know, the liquidators are rubbing their hands. They're ready to move into certain places in the new year. They're, they're, they're upping their, their narrative around that there is liquidations coming down the road. Yeah, now revenue, I'm sure, would argue they're simply doing their job and they're simply implementing the terms of the scheme as it was designed during COVID. Um, do you know how much warehouse debt there is in your sector? The last figure I saw was 900 million. I think there was three point something billion in to- total, but we were nearly one third of that. That was a combination of every sector, retail, construction, everybody during COVID at, between in 2020 went into the warehouse tax scheme because the country was on in lockdown. And then uh, 2021 was predominantly uh, hospitality and uh, other subsectors that was hit by that. But I, the last figure I saw was about 800, 900 million uh, was of warehouse tax. That's a lot of money that's due to the state. So the, 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 there can be winners in this. We all can be winners in this or we all can be losers in this. The losers will be that the business will go out of business and the state will lose the revenue. So I'd like to be on the, the winning team for this. Uh, this issue. JP, do you have any warehouse debt in your businesses? I, I, I actually, I don't know. I, I, I always say like, I'm the chef and my business partner drinking knows all the figures and I know some of them. So I imagine we do. Um, but I suppose, I mean, we're always, I'm not saying we're always quite careful, but I mean, the, the way we, we lost Cava the first time around because of uh, a very high rent, upward only, we had to move, we, uh, we had to buy out of the lease, and I suppose we are. I would say we play it safer uh, than 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 other businesses. That's only my estimation. I know my brother in in Avicolo has has warehouse debt certainly, um, and um, uh, it is it is putting it is putting pressure on on businesses. But I suppose like I mean I I think like ultimately it it the, the whole conversation comes down to like the the how we value food and i know it seems like a little bit philosophical but like like we we have still yet to value food as a cultural experience in ireland and the, but the, my point is that if 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 a factory closed and there was a loss of 100 jobs or 150 jobs it would be on the six o'clock news but if, if seven restaurants close and there's 200 jobs lost it, it never makes the news i mean i i we have 50 staff and okay, now we probably have thirty-five or forty, but like, there's never any, I suppose, recognition of of losses. And maybe it's because restaurants come and go and they open and close. But I, I think that we 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 really need to to look at the way in which we value food in Ireland. And and from my point of view, food is valued as a commodity. We have massive exports. That is the way food is is viewed. And food as a cultural experience is is viewed less. So when restaurants close, we say, "Ah, oh, well, look, another one, another one will come." But. I think the same as the retail sector at the moment. It, it's becoming harder and harder to 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 open up small independent uh, independent restaurants. And I think what will happen is you will become we'll become more like the UK or America, where you will have Starbucks, Cafe Nero, like the bigger places 
Costa Coffee in every single town because you can't open uh, a small uh, a small business. And I do think as well that the public needs to understand, like I, I do think restaurants need to be more transparent. And that's just from my point of view. I mean, we, 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 we think we know what food costs. And, and, and I was very surprised uh, a journalist on, on Twitter put up a, a post recently. And I don't know if it was tongue in cheek or if it was just kind of a little bit antagonist. It was like, why is a steak in an Aldi five years? euro and how come it's 35 euro in a restaurant and i was like i think that's quite self-evident but and i have no problem sitting down with someone saying like this is where the money goes but but i think that the fact that we we look at kind of low-cost supermarkets and we say oh that's the value of food therefore when i go into a restaurant it should be this price and i think what happens then is that we, we squeeze out a lot of small independent producers and farmers. And one of my biggest worries in, in this, if, 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 if a recession happens is that a lot of restaurants will return to buying imported chicken, a lot more imported vegetables and farmers such as Beachlawn Farm in Ballinasloe or any other farmers that deal with restaurants that lost their business through COVID will end up losing all their restaurant business because unfortunately, and this, this is a point I make a lot, it's cheaper to buy uh, 10 kilo of potatoes from Israel than it is to buy 10 kilo of, of potatoes in Ireland. And, th- and that, that does not make sense, but it, 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 that is the global economy. And if we continue that, then we lose our own kind of food culture and, and we, we, we need to keep fighting for it. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. JP, if you were sitting in front of Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath, as uh, we are going to have a change in a couple of months, if you were sitting in front of the two of them, uh, advocating for uh, one particular change to help the industry, what would it be? Well, I I, I try and ask for two. <laughs> so I certainly I think the VAT rate needs to be held, whether it needs to be divided. Like I, I can't see it like in March helping anyone. And even if we say we'll put it out for a year, I, I would be happy with that. I think the other one is that is that energy costs are, are fundamental to the business. And if we don't see any let up, and of course there's grants coming, but... As I said, if, if we're getting 40% uh, of our bill, okay, but our bill has gone up 400%, that still leads 60% an increase. And many businesses will just say, do you know what? It's not worth it. And, and, I, and, and I think we need to tackle that, that the kind of, um, the, 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 that aspect of the industry where, where people are just fed up. It's not, and, and they're, then they're making decisions, they're making decisions based on emotions when going, do you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And therefore 10, 15 jobs are gone. And that's every day. So we need, we need to give restaurateurs and, um, and uh, people in hospitality a little light. And it's like saying, well, okay, we're going to give you this 40% off, but what's going to happen in six months? If the, if the bill does not come back down, what are we going to do? So I do think we're going to have to revisit this in six months. And if our bill has gone up to 125 grand and we get a 40 percent, a 40 percent grant and we pay the 60, OK, it's 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 not as it's not as bad, but it's still money that we need to 
find, whether we pass it on or whether we try and, and save that money. It, it's still a difficult thing to do. And, and I, I, I hopefully this this um, narrative of, of, of kind of what we can do will keep going in, in March. And it won't just come back to, look, we gave you your we gave you 40 percent. The VAT rate's going back up. You just got to deal with it now. You mentioned that you lost your core staff in each of the restaurants during COVID. Where did they go? Did they return home maybe or did they go to other careers? So a combination. Some went home, some like returned to Italy, Poland, France. Uh, some left the industry. Some went into the likes of factories, um, uh, Medtronic, Boston Scientific. Uh, I suppose because they never closed and it was a three day week. And this is like just um, some of those circumstances cannot be avoided. I mean, what happened and even in my own psychological makeup, what happened was you I suppose you felt you, you were in a position where you were on a a track and you felt you had to keep going and this is like this is the way I work I work uh, five nights a week and all of a sudden COVID happened and it kind of it broke a habit and they say it only takes three weeks to break a habit and we had two years to break a habit and a lot of people a lot of people realized do you know what maybe I don't want to do this anymore maybe maybe I can work three 12 hour shifts in, in a factory and I don't, I don't have to work weekend nights anymore. And I would say 30%, we lost 30% staff to the realization that, okay, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think that's a, that's a, a comment on hospitality. I think it's just that if you're in the industry 20 years and, and you've been doing this, I think sometimes you might just go, do you know what? I want to change. Uh, but I think a lot of people leaving has been has been very difficult. The last two chefs we just hired in an ear um, are, are uh, neither of them are, are are Irish, and one is American. We got we he managed to get a visa because he's under thirty, and another another person is is a, a French student. So like they're it, predominantly the people who are entering hospitality now are are not Irish and. Maybe that is a, a cultural shift. No more than most of the shops we go into now, we, we don't see Irish people behind the tills. I mean, when I my first job when I finished school was was in a shop in Dublin, and everyone was Irish. And that's not a that's not a comment on on the on 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 the, on I suppose national makeup. It's just the way things happen. And if that is the way we're going, we may need to look at visas for outside the EU for people in hospitality if Irish people do not want to work in hospitality. And by the way, on price increases, what kind of increases have you put through the books so far this year? And how much elasticity do you think there is left um, before customers say, well, no, I'm not paying that? I think there's very little left. I mean, I might have put up to up to 10% on certain things. Some things I think that you just can't put any more money on. I think the price of proteins and steaks and I just think that you, we can't get to a position where we're you, where you've gone from 35 to 45 to 55 and then all of a sudden and I'm sure it's happening in Dublin because again, I mean rents are three or four times greater in Dublin easily. So I I don't I wouldn't be shocked to see a steak for 45 euro in Dublin anymore or even 49 euro in in in, in on a Friday or Saturday night. I, I I think there's very little elasticity left. I think I put a couple of euro on the menu on an ear recently. We have a tasting menu, um, and I just just to put like there isn't. I, it cannot go ten percent. So I I'm just trying to plug a hole. I'm going. Do you know what? If I can put two or three euro on a menu and maybe accumulatively that will that will pay another bill. Uh, but as I said, it's not about profiteering. Uh, I know uh, for restaurant tours, like I can only speak for for restaurants. Like I don't know any restaurant in Ireland that is making a killing. I just don't, unless it is a 
um, a fast food place. Like, I just don't because the, the costs are so great. So I, I really think that if, 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 uh, if, any, if people are listening to this and they see increases, ask, absolutely talk to the restaurateur and say, did this go up? Why did it go up? I mean, I, I'm very transparent and I'll say oh, they went up recently. I mean, I've noticed that the double espresso in, in coffee shops has gone from 250 uh, in Galway to nearly three euro now. And that's a that's a, a 50 cent. It went it was going up 260, 270. And the last time I paid and I think, look, that's a fair price to pay. I mean, if you want to go Copenhagen, it's 450 to six or 650, you know, and uh, I think that I was in Canada recently and Canada makes Ireland look cheap. <laughs> so I think that like we really need to know where we are. Like I, I like I paid eight dollars for a coffee and I know the Canadian dollar is, is less. But I always use the double espresso metric. I mean, I don't eat Big Macs, but the double espresso is like is a, is an indication of how much people are getting paid, what what costs are, and certainly uh, like a regular glass of wine was fifteen to twenty dollars. And I know in Ireland it's it's up on ten or eleven euro now for 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 a nice glass of wine. So I, I really do think we need to we need to put that into perspective. Adrian, what about the finances of the Restaurant Association of Ireland? Because you're a membership organization i presume all your members are paying you fees you mentioned you had three thousand members earlier if one or two of them are going out of business every day it must be putting pressure on your own finances yeah it's no different to any other organization you know we we have to make sure that we are able to deliver for our membership and we're thankful for all those members that are behind us and support us in what we're trying to achieve here and there is a there is a an irish phrase which is uh, no strength without unity and uh you know, we are there to do a job. Our job is to advocate on behalf of the industry. We're, we're, you know, and we listen to our members as well. We know what's happening on the ground. And we have opened doors into government, into directly to Taoiseach Tánaiste level, senior government minister level, right through COVID and continued right up until, up until now. Uh, and, uh, you know, the finances are, you know, we've been around for 50 years um, and hopefully we'll be around for another 50 years. But yeah, we are there, we are strong and we, we are thankful to all the support that we've got from the industry as well. Not just our members, but all the suppliers as well that support us uh, because this is a full circle approach here to the challenges that, that hospitality faces because if a restaurant industry starts to go into a crisis, an economic crisis, well, that's a, there's a knock-on effect to the suppliers, the farmer, the whoever is supplying products or services into our industry as well. JP, it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, the Irish Times was reporting last week that Jamie Oliver and his business partner here, Jerry Fitzpatrick, are opening a new venue on Exchequer Street. I'm sure there are other venues around the country that are opening coffee shops and restaurants and so forth. And we, there are some new hotels coming on stream as well with bars and restaurants as well. So it's not all uh, doom and gloom. You yourself had a, a plan for a, an Asian restaurant um, but I, I think that's on hold now. Yeah, we've just put that and we spent oh, probably about 10 grand on planning and uh, engineers. And, and I just, I, I like, it's not, uh, as I said, like I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a glass half full person. And I, I do think the industry will bounce back, but for me, it was just, was not, the, it was not the, the right time and whether or not we do it in a year's time, but I, I just couldn't foresee getting through every, 
loop. I mean, if we had loads of staff, then maybe you'd be able to take a hit on the energy or if you, um, or, or vice versa. Like it's just, it, it just seems a bit too much. And like, I, 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 I suppose I congratulate anyone opening a business now. And I, I don't think it's going to be easy. And, um, I, uh, we're still looking at like Tartar, what we can do. I mean, I, I don't think we can open Tartar again, but we're still paying rent on the, on the, on the, on the building because we own the, the contents and I don't want to just give them up and because we put about 150 grand into it. So we're trying to see, look at different models of what might work at the moment. Uh, that isn't a, that isn't a pizza shop or a, or a burger place because unfortunately that is un, like that is where where money is made and uh, like that is why there is, is so many of them and that's not to not to uh, take away from them but I, I think that um, I think that anyone opening a restaurant now uh, should be should be given support and I think it is going to be a rocky six months and I, I hope that come uh, come March and come next Paddy's Day we we'll all still be here having the same conversation and I hope that I mean one of the reasons why Ireland is 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 I find is such a, a fickle place uh, to do business is not because of anything internally it's because we depend so much on tourism and and I always say like we have so many Americans still in Galway and we're lucky that's like that that's what it comes down to and like it, it, I saw there was a massive change when the Ukraine war started and particularly uh, in in February like it, it cut short the kind of uh, covid honeymoon so it will very much depend I think is if there's an if there's a greater escalation in that conflict I think that will directly impact hospitality in Ireland because we depend on uh, North American customers and last Wednesday night I I was joking to the staff in an ear we had 20 26 people in we had 23 Americans two Canadians and an Irish lad um and so like that just gives you a small indication of the makeup of of some of our some of our clientele and it's great to have them they're wonderful customers they love Ireland and so hopefully they just continue to come here all right uh, hopefully they will indeed um JP McMahon and Adrian Cummins thank you for joining us Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Karen. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Adrian Cummins and JP McMahon for joining me on the show. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.